Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Live around Australia on SEN, welcome to Off The Tee, talking all things golf with Nick O'Hearn and Sam Hargraves. Ah, yes, indeed. A very good evening to you. Welcome to Off The Tee, where we cover all things happening in the wonderful world of golf. And there's none better to do that with uh, than the man uh, who was the former world number 16, or is the former world number 16. This isn't a eulogy for him. Uh, it's anything but. Uh, he's also the man, the man who's got a two-zip record uh, against the great Tiger Woods. Uh, it gives me great pleasure to welcome Nick Ahern. Hello, Nick. G'day, Sam. Great to be here. Uh, well, it's great to have you. And before we do anything, we need to do this. Yes, indeed. It's Nick Ahern's birthday. Nick Ahern, happy birthday to you. Uh, Very kind. You shouldn't have done that, mate. (laughs) (laughs) You know, when you say you shouldn't have done that, there's a, oh, you shouldn't have. Then there's a, you really shouldn't have done that. (laughs) (laughs) But thank you. I really appreciate it. Uh, Uh, One more year older. It's getting easier to shoot my age the older I get. Oh, I like that. um, So what are you shooting? Well, well, if I had to shoot my age, it's uh, I just turned 51 today. Well, you'd be pretty happy with that, wouldn't you? Yeah, not bad. That would be good for maybe about 14 holes, 15 yeah. holes. No, I, I like it. Uh, what, what, how, how have you been spending your birthday? Uh, pretty quiet. Just dropped my daughter you know, off at school this morning. Uh, pretty quiet day and uh, looking forward to the show tonight. Uh, okay, so there's a ton to get through. Um, we're going to obviously tap into Nick's knowledge with the uh, the Ping Play Your Best Golf tip. Uh, Nick's knowledge from his book, How to Play Your Best Golf, all thanks to our good friends at Ping. Use Ping Golf Equipment so you can play your best. Uh, we're going to go uh, to a course that Nick's going to give his first-hand experience on that you could also play at Big Swing Golf. Uh, and then a heap that's been going on. And, of course, the most exciting part of um, our week, Nick Cahern, has been that the Australian summer of golf has begun, and it's begun in earnest. And, and what a way to begin as well. The, the WAPGA Championship in Kalgoorlie. How was this final day between David Michaluzzi and, and day three leader Jared Felton? I mean, it was a doozy. It certainly was. We had a lot of uh, swings, I guess you could say, two shot swings, about three or four throughout the day. Jared Felton started the day uh, with a one-stroke lead over Dave Michaluzzi. And i got to be honest, after the third round, he could have started the day with a four or a five shot lead. He played some beautiful golf on Saturday, but unfortunately just couldn't get those putts to drop and ended up having that one shot lead, which is fine. He stayed patient. He shot 67 on that Saturday. It was one of the easiest 67s I, I've seen. And then a couple of stages early in the back nine on the Sunday final round, he had three shot leads. So the tournament was his for the taking, but Michaluzzi just hung around, hung around. And he made a couple of bogeys on, I think it was uh, 11 and 12. And you thought, okay, Dave's kind of, 
he might have he might be out of this. I think it's really up to Jared now and a couple of other contenders who are there. But the three hardest holes on the golf course are 13, 14, and 15. And Dave played those in two under, while Felton, Jared Felton, played those in two over. So it was a massive shift in the tournament there. And in the end, Dave went on to a three-shot victory. It was quite an incredible finish. Uh, it certainly was. And he spoke after the win to our esteemed colleagues, uh, the the sausage Tim Gossage the Goss uh, and Scott Cummings uh, Gillian Goss uh, on SENWA uh, Scott Cummings doing a great job uh, with Goss uh, every morning um, they got the interview with um, Dave Michaluzzi and full credit to Tim Gossage it was he was Goss's pick going in to the WA PGA Championship um, and he spoke to that first question they asked him was about getting the season off to the great start that he did. Oh, definitely. Uh, you, you can't win them all if you don't win the first one. So, um, yeah, it's just a, a perfect start to the season. And, yeah, what a day yesterday was. It was uh, mixed emotions, obviously a lot of a lot of bogeys on the card, but also a lot of birdies. And uh, just happy to do it, like, do it on the back nine. I didn't really know what the score was. I knew through, I think it was through nine, there was a lot of people at around about 13 under. And um, I think I was... I was thirteen under, and then I dropped a couple. Uh, then I dropped a couple. Mm. So yeah, I think I was three back, and yeah. So I was on the last. I was actually thinking I was either square or one behind, just judging by what the scores were uh, eight holes pre- uh, previously. Yeah. So it kind of got me focused a little bit more. And I think if I had a two shot lead, I'd I'd try and feather it down there rather than actually commit to a swing. So I was actually kind of glad I didn't know the score. Uh, so that was Victorian David Michaluzzi, um with Gilly on Gillian Goss on SENWA with uh, Tim Gossage and Scotty Cummings. The the final day that you mentioned, you covered it, the, the broadcast, Nick. The seesawing final day, those two-shot swings on how many occasions. And Scotty asked him about bogeying 11 and 12 and being able to come back from that point, from that moment and get the win in the way that he did? So it's something I've been working on quite a bit is being patient and like knowing that like I'm not going to lie, you know, I'm playing my best golf of my life right now and it's slowly getting better. So like the start of, the, start of last season in uh, January, I just found something in, in the swing and it's just worked. And I've, throughout my amateur career and all that I've always gone on really big highs really big lows really big highs really big lows uh, but now it's just like it's just a steady high and it, it feels like it feels like I can I feel like I can get so much better even from last week's event like I can I can every player can pick out bad things that they did in rounds but like yesterday I missed three putts inside four feet I made two bogeys on par fives from green sides and being around there for two. So like there's a lot, there's a lot of stuff I need to work on, but I'm just, I'm just stoked. I'm just stoked with the victory. I haven't, I haven't won any tournament in five, almost five years. So yeah, it's been, been a long time coming. It's massive, isn't it, Nick? I mean, he played um, in the Alfred Dunhill links championship um, a few weeks ago and that's really, he hasn't been, I suppose, able to, String the golf together 
um, that he's been wanting to, and to hear him say that he believes now he's playing the best golf of his life, it's a great science. Yeah, it certainly is. And, you know, he was number two amateur in the world at one point several years ago, probably five years ago, that he referenced was his last win. He turned pro in 2019. His first event was actually in Kalgoorlie at this tournament uh, back a few years ago. And it was, I guess, a, a tough time for him to turn pro because... Obviously, COVID came along and it uh, it stalled a lot of young professionals' career. There was a number of pros here in Melbourne and in Australia who turned pro around that time, and all of a sudden, they're losing a year to two years of their playing career. And early on, that's when you really need to get the reps in, get the competition going, and, and really learn your craft, I guess you could say. So that's his maiden win. I mean, an incredible effort, and that first win is always the toughest, and I can really see him kicking on from here. And he's very much a streaky player too, David. He... He has this knack of can really go low. I mean, he can put on a lot of birdies. And he did that on Sunday, had a lot of birdies. He also had a lot of bogeys, as he referenced. But it was a very tough day out there. The winds were 25, 30 kilometres, gusting up to 50 kilometres all afternoon. So it wasn't easy. The best round of the day was by Ben Ferguson, who actually finished second. He shot three under par 69. The second best round of the day was by Michaluzzi, who shot two under 70. Overnight leader Felton, unfortunately, he just slipped away on that back nine and shot a 75. So it's disappointing for Jared, but... The good news for him is he's got this next event straight away in his hometown, W Open coming up, and he'll be able to get back on the horse and hopefully kick on. So he wins from Jared Felton, who won in 2020. Andrew Martin, good to see him up in a top three finish. He's been uh, he's a Bendigo golfer, been a bit of a journeyman. His best is very, very good. It's just about trying to get that consistency. So hopefully he can have a consistent uh, Australian summer. Um, and well done, too, to Cameron Pollard, who won the inaugural All Abilities um, uh, WA PGA Championship. So that was fantastic. He won from Lockie Smith. They're both from the same golf club at the Sawtell Golf Club. So uh, that's a great addition to the tour, Nick, uh, the inaugural All Abilities. Absolutely, yeah. The more of those events we get going, the better. And, and uh, you know, Cameron was the pre-tournament favourite, and he certainly showed his class because yep. it was a 17-stroke victory in the end over the weekend. So he played some amazing golf and... Uh, and the more events that we have like that over the Australian summer, the better. Obviously, we're going to have it at the PGA and, and the Aussie Open as well. Uh, so let's have a look ahead at the WA Open. Um, now, you're a WA native. I am. So these are tournaments that would be very special to your heart. How have you performed uh, over your journey at the, WP, uh, the WA PGA and the WA Open? Oh, I haven't won the PGA. I can technically say I've won the WA Open because it was uh, one year we had... Um, I guess we could say with we had the Netherlands Masters, which was a big event in WA and the WA Open, and it was a joint event. For some reason, they decided to combine the titles, and it was only 36 holes. It wasn't the, the normal 72 holes. However, I did win that event, so I can claim a Netherlands Masters and a WA Open in the one week. <laughs> <laughs> but this week, uh, it's going to be at the West Australian Golf Club, also sort of... I guess slang-wise is known as Yokine because that's the suburb, suburb it's in. But I've played a lot of golf at Yokine because I grew up about 10 minutes from there. It's five minutes from my home course, Mount Lawley in Perth. Played a lot of junior golf there mm. in the Graham Marsh Junior Golf Foundation. And, and funnily enough, we had Graham in on the telecast over the weekend because he designed Kalgoorlie Golf Club. He's done some tweaks to the Yokine Golf Club. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he's done there. But uh, played a lot of pennant golf, a lot of junior golf. It's very quirky golf course, quite hilly, small greens. So you're going to have to be pretty accurate. You're going to see probably a lot of bogeys well, that and double your, bogeys. That was your bread and butter, though. Yeah. Pl- i just got to say, though, that when I look at your Wikipedia page, Nick Ahern, it does say the 99 Netherlands Masters 
Doesn't say the WA it, Open. It didn't say the WA doesn't Open. Doesn't say the WA Open. So if Wikipedia doesn't have it, then I don't know if we, we can claim it, can I, we? I might have to go in later and, uh, <laughs> and, and make an editing change there or something. <laughs> Uh, beautifully done. We're off and running on Off the Tee. So we're going to be following really closely the Australian summer. Um, we Each week we're going to try and uh, speak to uh, some of the golfers who are competing in these events. It feels like, Nick, that it's it's a really important Australian summer. We know that there's some big names coming back for the two key events. And we'll speak a little bit more about that as uh, Off the Tee progresses. We've still got plenty to cover. You stick around. We'll be back after this. You're listening to Off The Tee with Nick O'Hearn and Sam Hargraves. Listen back to any part of the show you might have missed by subscribing to the Off The Tee podcast. Last finish, Adrian Otegi is the master in Angulatia. And he takes home the check of 510,000 euros, 710 EP World Tour ranking points. Nobody could touch him. It's win number four on the DP World Tour for that man right there. So that was the DP World Tour event, uh, and I'll get a man who's much more fluent in his Spanish uh, to pronounce this correctly, uh, Nick Ahern, because uh, we're staying in Spain. Uh, the Spanish Masters, um, or Spanish Open, was last week. This was the... Andalusia Masters. There we go. There uh, and Adrian Otegu, uh, what a what a win. Um Came from behind. Uh, Min Woo Lee, though, is um, who we were going to spend most of our time speaking about from this result. So that's his fourth DP Tour win. But a man who is aligned with the Live Golf Tour as well. So there was a little bit of friction in and around that. Um, but that was a pretty warm applause that, that he got from his, well, um, uh, compatriots in the crowd. Um, what did you make of Adrian's win first before we speak about Min Woo's performance? Well, it was a runaway victory. I mean, he started the final round with a six-stroke lead and... It's one of those, I guess, leads that you think, well, he's either going to capitulate and people are going to catch him or he may just extend it. But he played beautiful golf all day, shot a three under par 68 uh, to maintain that six-stroke lead and he ended up winning by six from Sweden's Jochen Lagergren, who also shot a 68 with Minwoo uh, in solo third as again uh, following his third position last week uh, at the Open de Espana in Madrid. So Minwoo's playing some great golf. As far as Otagui goes, Adrian Otagui, a little bit of controversy around him because he did play a couple of the Live Golf's uh, events early on when Live Golf got going this year. So he was one of the three or four players, I believe, that sued the DP World Tour to yes. try and get starts, uh, which they were able to uh, successfully get what was called, a, I guess, a stay or a, a stay on suspension. And uh, I think it was him, uh, Ian Poulter, Justin Harding. And they were able to win that, uh, I guess, uh, what were they trying to do? Uh, not be suspended from the tour and fined. Yeah. So they won that. They're able to play European tour golf events from now on. He's been playing most of them, I believe, and finally got a win. And he's, I guess, the first ex-live player or live player that has won on any other major tour. So it is big news in that regard. There was a bit yeah. of controversy as to the DP World Tour really weren't showing much coverage of him. They weren't, uh, you know, that enamored by the fact that he was winning this golf tournament. And this is what Patrick Reed had sort of complained about, hadn't he, um, um, at the Open? 
was at the open that Patrick Reed was saying, I'm getting, I'm not involved in any of the publicity. I'm not, um, they're not showing yeah. me during the coverage. Uh, I've been given like the start time, all that kind of stuff, saying that it's sort of been, you know, pushed into a corner and, uh, and the light turned away. Exactly, yeah. As Rodney Dangerfield said, well, I get no respect. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, did we know that Nick Ahern did impressions? This is something <laughs> we'll just delve into a little bit more as the weeks go by. Oh, I've got a few. I've got a few. Is but, that right? Oh, Who else do you do? No, no, I'm not going to go there oh, just yet. Next no. week. Maybe a bit of Seve or something like that. Oh, on, definitely, <laughs> definitely. Now, that's good. We'll get people yeah. to send in their requests for you to do impressions of other uh, <laughs> um, international golfers. That, that's fantastic. We won't, I'm sure we won't get into any trouble doing that. No, not at all. Um so Minwoo Lee, uh, second straight, third placing for him and was the leader at the halfway mark and was playing just beautiful golf. Yeah, he was continuing his form uh, on from the previous week in Madrid. The thing about Minwoo is he's very streaky. And this year he's had 11 missed cuts, so he, he does miss a lot of cuts. But mm. when he does play well, he contends. And back-to-back thirds, that's really sort of rocketed him up again on the world rankings, which is good. He started the year out in the top 50 and he slipped back to maybe around 70th, something like that. Now he's back to 58 in the world rankings, so he's trending in the right direction again. The great news for us is he's coming back to Australia at the end of the year as well to play the Australian Open PGA and some of the big events down here. So can't wait to see him in action down here because he is a very, very exciting player. And to to have a, a brother-sister, I mean, his sister Minji Lee, uh, Min Wu, obviously, both from Perth, both amazing golfers. Minji's currently ranked, I think, in the top three or four in the world on the women's side. To have them both down here playing tournaments, we're in for a real treat this summer. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, he was, I think, would have been really disappointed that he didn't secure his PGA card for next year um, when we had the chance going through... um, uh, going through the uh, oh, the final series, the final yeah. series right. um, of the the second tour. Yep, Corn Ferry. The Corn Ferry. That's what yes, I'm just had a mental go. blank, and then <laughs> and then went across to Europe. And he, but his performances there have been um, have been spot on. So I'm I, I reckon he'll be. I know that we're really excited about what's going to come this summer from the fact that Cameron Smith and Mark Leishman, Adam Scott, these guys are coming back for for those key events. I wonder whether we're underestimating or and Lucas Herbert's coming back as well. I wonder whether we're maybe forgetting a little bit. We're, we're sleep, are we sleeping on Minwoo Lee? Oh, His game on those courses. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think he he plays beautifully on courses that are a little quirky, a little challenging, and mm. that's what we had last last week in Madrid, and then also in Valderrama um, at the under under Luthier Masters. So. The golf courses in Australia, I think, will will really favour him down here because you have to shape the ball, work it, keep the ball under the hole and be very strategic. And even though he's very much a power player and he can overpower golf courses, uh, he can light it up very quickly. And, um, you know, it's only a matter of time whether he does well on Mm. the PGA Tour in the US. I think when you play a a couple of events like he did in that Corn Ferry Finals, you have to play well at that time. And as I said with Minwoo, he's very streaky and he just didn't play well at the right time. His his class will rise to the top um, in, in years to come. I, I certainly know it. Uh, and he's a, a WA product as well. So I'm expecting you to have just a little bias uh, a towards little him, given that he, <laughs> like you, is a Perth boy. Um, the PGA results. So the PGA took off to Japan, um, one of the times where they go outside the, the US borders. And... Um, Keegan Bradley. Now, what can you tell us uh, about Keegan Bradley? Because we're, we're going to play some audio of him uh, in just a moment. But he was really emotional uh, after the win that, that he got um, in the Zozo Championship in Japan. Yeah. I mean, if, if you've watched Keegan Bradley 
play, you may tear your hair out a little bit because he is quite a slow player. He he's very um, he has a lot of different mannerisms and little ticks and quirks about him with his pre-shot routine, how he lines putts up, and it can be a bit frustrating if you are playing with him. But he's an incredible golfer, obviously. He won the 2011 US PGA Championship, so just over 11 years ago, uh, for his first and, and I guess only major. This was his fifth tour win, but he hadn't won in four years. So it's been a while between drinks for him. And he did, as you said, get very emotional. Uh, and jumped up uh, 21 spots in the world rankings. He's now ranked number 23 uh, in the world, which is uh, a, a big leap up the table. But this was him after the win. Put together, but uh, I, I really want to thank my wife, Jillian. Uh, for all the sacrifices she made for my family. And uh, thanks to Darren May and all my coaches. Scotty Vale, man. I love these guys. You made it difficult on yourself. You bogeyed 14 and 16 with a two-shot lead, but you came back with a brilliant birdie at 17. Talk about the resilience that you showed to get this thing done. Oh, man. Listen, I, uh, that's why I practice so hard. I... Uh, it's not going to be easy. I knew it wasn't going to be easy. That two-putt on 16 was major, and uh, things aren't easy for me normally. So I was ready. That birdie on 17 goes down as one of the best holes of my life, and this is so special. I played in the final group here when Tiger won, and I got to watch him do that. And uh, I'm so proud to win this tournament thanks to Japan and Zozo. Just a first-class event, amazing golf course. Five wins on the PGA Tour. You have a major championship, obviously, your rookie year. Where does this rank? This is high up there. I, I really put a lot of work in this off season, and uh, you know I'm. This is what I want to do. I want to I want to win tournaments. I want to play in Ryder Cups. I want to be in the in the conversation, and this is a good start. Uh, so there we go. That's Keegan Bradley. I haven't. I've been crying since I finished. I can't remember the last time I cried. Uh, he went on to say, both arms raised to the sky. A one shot win over Ricky Fowler and uh, and Andrew Putnam. Yeah. Um, phenomenal performance. There's another player there, Ricky Fowler, who's gone winless in about three and a half, four years as well. So either of those players, if, if they'd have won, it would have been very popular. And Ricky's been, I guess, in the doldrums for a little bit the last few years. His former caddy who was on his bag, Tom Scoverin, he's been on the bag recently of Tom King, the young superstar at the President's Cup. Yes. And then also when he won in Vegas uh, the previous week as well. So it was almost a... You could sort of see Ricky playing well and almost feeding off that energy. Obviously, Tom and uh, Tom Kim and his and his former caddy had that. He thought, well, you know, maybe it's my time as well. And and good to see Ricky playing well again because he's he's an incredible player. He's still only thirty three years old. Everyone thinks he's been around forever, which he kind of has been. I mean, I played with yeah. him uh, in his rookie season uh, over on the US tour. I played with uh, young so Ricky. I'm going to leave time. every joke I could have made because it's your birthday. I'm going to leave every <laughs> joke I could have made. <laughs> Okay, thank you. I appreciate that's it. A, but, that's uh, a pleasure. <laughs> but Ricky's a great bloke, and um, and I'm sure his time will come again. As I say, he's only 33 years old. Everyone thought he was going to go to live golf, funnily enough, and um, but he hasn't. He's stuck mm. with the tour, and he's grinding it out, and, and it's good to see him playing well again. I think because he wasn't at the meeting, was he? Ricky Fowler was it? Was it him that wasn't wasn't able to be at the meeting that Tiger and and Rory called? He, he actually flew in on Tiger's jet with him. To that's go right. To the no, so that's what it was. Yeah. It was. Yeah, he was there. Uh, that's what that's what convinced everyone that he was staying. Apologies. Yeah. People thought he was going, and then that was the moment when he got off the plane <laughs> with Tiger. They went, I think he's staying. Yeah. yeah now, no, that's that's what it was. Exactly. But as far as uh, the Zozo Championship, which Keegan Bradley won, a couple of Aussies. 
that were playing. Uh, Cameron Davis finished tied for 29th and Lucas Herbert tied for 59th. So mm. not a great result there. But however, Lucas shot 63 the last day, which was the best round of the day. So he's, he's uh, obviously finishing off in a bit of form and, and will be chomping at the bit to get to his next tournament. Yeah, Keegan Bradley, that 2011 PGA Championship win. And like a lot of players that sort of get that kind of have a win like that. Everyone just expects that, well, from then on, it's just going to be, you know, it's just going to be smooth sailing and he's going to be, you know, right up there for for a, a long time. His record at majors, he was tied for fourth uh, at the US Open in 2014, 15th at the Open Championship in 2013, um, got that win in 2011. His best finish at the Masters is tied for 22nd. So it hasn't been maybe the smooth sailing that everybody thought it would be when he won that major in, in 2011. Yeah, exactly. And and that's the thing with golf. You just never know uh, what's going to happen in your career. It's very much a, a roller coaster and, and there's some highs, some lows, and you just got to ride out those lows. And as you could tell by the emotion in his voice, he'd been in a bit of a low for quite some time. So he the, the strength to Keegan's game is his ball striking. I think mm. one of the one of the things which changed his career was the fact that they brought the anchoring ban in. He used to anchor the belly putter, and now he's got to use a short putter. He had to adapt to that, and uh, he's finally figured it out how to putt on the greens again. When we come back, a segment always dedicated to live golf, uh, such as its impact at the moment in the world of golf. We'll give you the results of uh, their penultimate tournament of their opening season, and that was in Saudi Arabia, so we'll have a chat about that. Uh, of course, we've still got to give all thanks to Ping. Uh, we tap into Nick's knowledge, uh, the tip of the week for Ping, play your best, the play your best tip, thanks to Ping. And also, Nick's going to take us uh, to his memories of a course that, whilst you might not be able to get over internationally to play, you will be able to play it at Big Swing Golf, the best indoor simulator in the business. That's all coming up after this on Off The Tee. You're listening to Off The Tee with Nick O'Hearn and Sam Hargraves. Listen back to any part of the show you might have missed by subscribing to the Off The Tee podcast. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, it's been... I mean, I didn't know if my career was over for a half second. So to be able to... I mean, I told Claude I wasn't sure whether I was going to play. So it's nice to be able to to come back and, and be able to win. Uh, that was four-time major winner Brooks Kepka, one of the big live golf signings who just won their first ever tournament, uh, actually staged in Saudi Arabia. It's their penultimate tournament of the year. The season finishes up for live golf in Miami. Uh, this was in Jeddah at Royal Greens. Uh, he won in a playoff. Brooks Kepka, um, $4 million, uh, if you don't mind, Nick Ahern, just for that first place get. Um, but again, another player, quite emotional, but for different reasons. Brooks talking about the fact that he thought his career might be over, and he is going to be a year-to-year proposition with his knee, not doing him any real favours at the moment. No, you're right. He's he's had knee issues the last couple of years. He actually said in the interview, look, I'll probably need a, a knee replacement at some stage. So yep. another interesting part about the interview that he that he also said was the fact that he he said, it kind of sucks because I'm actually playing well right now. Yeah. And I've only got one event left, and then I've got all this time off after the final event. So that's a little contradictory as to what he said when he joined Liv. He said, I get to play less so I can have more time off and spend it with my family. Now, funnily enough, when you start playing good golf, you want to play more. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a great win by me. He defeated his fellow Smash golf club teammate. That's mm. the name of their team. Yes. Uh, Peter Uline. In very hot and humid conditions, we're in uh, we're in Jeddah in Saudi Arabia. 
It's been 18 months since his last win, which was at the Phoenix Open, the Waste Management Phoenix Open on the PGA Tour. Um, he's been always, uh, I guess, a controversial signing on the Live Tour from day one. One uh, A couple of days before he signed, he said, no, I'm committed to the PGA Tour, and then did a complete U-turn a couple of days later and signed over to Live. Now, I have no issue with that. I think no problem. If you want to go play Live Golf, go play Live Golf. That's entirely up to yourself. So he... Um, He's always had a bit of a, I guess you could say, a, a bit of fisticuffs with uh, Bryson DeChambeau. Those two are, uh, you know, always yeah. uh, at each other uh, on the PGA Tour. Now that they're on the Live Tour, they seem to be getting on like brothers again. So um, so it's good to see them yeah, on, on good terms, I guess you could say. But uh, he ended up winning $4.75 million US dollars because his smash team won the team format as well. So he got an extra three quarters of a million for that effort as well. So uh, it was him, his brother Chase Kepka, Peter Yorline and Justin Kokrak who are on the uh, who are on the Smash golf team. But um, I didn't see the end of the tournament, but I believe there wasn't that many people out on the golf course watching. But uh, by all accounts, I think Live Golf were pretty happy with how it all turned out. Yeah, and can we just before we talk a little bit more about Live, for those regardless of how you feel about. Um what Greg Norman's done and what he is doing in the world of golf. You might be very for it. You might be against it. Putting all that aside, um, he is, well, Australia's greatest, you know, well, in, in the conversation of Australia's greatest ever golfer, I think 86 um, tournament wins, um, the two-time uh, Open Championship winner. His father, Merv, uh, passed away within the last week. I think the funeral was in the last day or so. Um so we send him um, our condolences and the Norman family and, and our best wishes um, as well. 95 years young uh, in the eulogy that Greg uh, wrote and, and spoke glowingly about just everything that his father had been to him and, and the support that he'd given him and the uh, inspiration that he had provided him uh, as well. Yeah, very sad news, him uh, and his mum, Tony, who uh, obviously had a, a massive effect and uh, yeah. Uh, you know, direction on, on Greg's career from a young age. And Greg, I mean, he started golf at the age of 17. He wasn't one of these five or six-year-old prodigies. That, to me, is like the, one of the most incredible parts of the Greg Norman story, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, he started off a 27 handicap and in a year was down to scratch. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, and also very annoying. But <laughs> <laughs> It's doable, Sam. Oh, is it? Thanks. <laughs> no, but very sad news for the Norman family and, and we wish them all the best. Yeah, 100%. Um, just staying with Liv for the moment, Cam Smith um, was uh, in an interview during the week, spoke about how he's really content with his choice to, to join Liv and he'll be here for the Australian summer as well, contesting the big tournaments, as we've said, the Australian Open, uh, the Australian PGA. He said, though, it would be heartbreaking if the if Augusta decide, if Augusta National was decide to decide that they would prevent Liv golfers from teeing up at next year's Masters. So he's got the exemption, which was a big part of him making the decision to, to take the money and to go to live, as well as lifestyle, he said. But that would have been a major factor, uh, pardon the pun, that he was going to be, for the next five years, eligible. And there's always been a view with Cam that he might not be one of these golfers that goes around forever because there's other things in his life that are uh, as just as important, family, friends, fishing, uh, rugby league. Um so he's now quite nervous because that decision is still pending, Nick. Yeah, I mean, the Masters hasn't come out and said one way or the other. The other majors, they haven't decided either. So we'll see at the end of the year. One of the criterias by December 31 of each year is the Masters gives out exemptions to the top 50 players in the World Golf Rankings and also past winners. Obviously, they have that exemption, which Cam 
um, does not fall under. However, he is the Open champion, and as the Open champion, you then get exemption into five years' worth of majors. So it's going to be an interesting time mm. at the end of this year to see what happens with the Masters, their first cab off the rank as far as majors go next year. Amongst the other players, there's a lot of you know, conjecture going on, especially amongst the live players saying, why aren't we getting world ranking points, et cetera, et cetera. Now we've you know, talked about this over the last couple of weeks about meeting criteria that the world ranking body does um, put out there for everyone to to align to. Um, you know, in a way, I guess you could say live golf is trying to get the world ranking body to bend to them rather than the other way around. Yep. Harold Varner made some interesting comments, I think, this week. Uh, he's probably yeah. been the most honest of all the live players where he actually said, look, I knew what I was getting into. I knew what I was signing up for. So, you know, it's it's no surprise that my ranking's going down and I may not get to play another major. So... We've been well compensated for that, obviously. So that's that's the other part of it as well. Yeah, it is. And he spoke when he signed. He said, look, I am going for the money, but one of the things I'm going to be able to do with the money is put it back into my foundation, which gets golf clubs into underprivileged kids' hands, kids that would never have access to a, a club, let alone a course. So that's why he's there. All I mean, credit he, to him. Yeah, yeah. hundred and and has been really honest and open uh, about that, and understands that there's consequences for that. So yeah, it was a great interview and 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 well worth the read of Harold Varner the third. Phil Mickelson though, um, <laughs> still believes he's on the right side of this, and it was interesting that he's actually made the comparison to live golf and World Series cricket in the seventies. Um, he said he reckons he's picked the winning side. Um, he said, I think if you look back into the 70s, what happened with cricket is probably the best analogy. He told, uh, these are reporters he was speaking to uh, ahead of the, the live event um, in Jeddah. He said, for a long time, pretty much all the best players played the PGA Tour and that will never cease again. But he spoke about the fact that um, he said, I didn't grow up with cricket, but I'm becoming somewhat aware of what Kerry Packer did to evolve cricket and to pay professional cricketers a reasonable fee. I think they were making 200 bucks a game back in the 70s. They weren't getting paid and there wasn't television rights and they were all having other jobs and yet there was still money coming in. And when Kerry Packard came involved and started paying the guys what they were worth and it uh, and what they were bringing in, it totally changed and we're seeing that happen now. Nick, I'll get you to... Well, <laughs> What do you make of Phil Mickelson's analogy with the Saudi-backed live golf <laughs> being akin to Kerry Packard's involvement in World Series cricket? And we're... Cricketers were then and golfers are now. Oh, geez. That's, we might have to go on another show here. Maybe next week we'll talk more about that one. It's, uh, yeah, there's a lot of different variables and factors, and him comparing it to that is, yeah, I'm not even going to go down that path because we could go on for quite a while. But um, Phil's an interesting character. Um, you know, early on, I think when Alan Shipnuck's book came out and everyone heard about him calling the Saudis scary, I'll just say, mother fathers. Uh, and take from that what you will. Uh, mm. He's now gone back on his, you know, saying he never did an interview with Alan Shipnuck, and he's right. he's loving everything about his experience with, um, you know, the Saudis and, and live golf, which I, no doubt I'm sure he's absolutely, you know, thrilled to be there and, and enjoying it. So uh, with Phil these days, I, I'm never sure what to make of, of what he says, but I'm sure he's having different chats with some of the Aussies about the World Series cricket and what happened in those past days as well. It's, it, I, look, I'm I'm curious as to know how the, the Packer family would uh, like to hear their father uh, compared to the Saudi royal family. That'd be <laughs> one query I I reckon they might have. But the second thing is the comparison, and he and his history is right about where the cricketers were at that stage and what they were making and what they were having to do and how underpaid they were. 
would we classify <laughs> would we classify where the professional golfers were um, when Liv came in to where cricketers were? Because I th- I think there's a substantial I think there's several I think there's a, a large amount of zeros difference in what the uh, average golfer that's gone to live was making. Uh, compared to what the average cricketer who went to World Series cricket was making. Yeah, I think if you look at Phil Mickelson's career earnings before he joined Liv, it's probably going to be up there around the <laughs> 50 to 60, 70 million dollars, I would imagine. So, not quite the $200 a week we're talking about, but yeah, it's. Yeah. I'm not really sure what to say to that, Sam. <laughs> oh, no, there's plenty of things we can say that just probably not appropriate for on air. But no, hey, full F, full points for trying, Phil. We'll give you full points for trying. Uh, when we come back, we're going to tap into Nick's knowledge and get the ping play your best golf tip of the week. And then for Big Swing Golf, Indoor Golf, Real Fun Fast, Nick's going to take us to one of his favourite courses that you can play at Big Swing Golf. That's up next on Off The Tee. You're listening to Off The Tee with Nick O'Hearn and Sam Hargraves. Listen back to any part of the show you might have missed by subscribing to the Off The Tee podcast. Uh, now, Nick, before we get your ping golf, play your best golf tip of the week and tap into Nick O'Hearn's knowledge, and then before you give us your course of the week, or thanks to Big Swing Golf, a couple of results you wanted to get to. Yeah, over on the Ladies European Tour, Lexi Thompson won the Aramco Team Series individual title, even though it was a European Tour event. They played it at the Trump Golf Links in New York. That's the beauty of how they can go around the world and play these events. She won from Canada's Brooke Henderson and Sweden's Magdalene. Sagstrom, best of the Aussies, really nice result for Steph Kuriako, tied 18th, and tied 36 was Whitney Hillier, the young West Australian. Over on the Champions Tour, this is unbelievable. Freddie Couples, final round, SAS Championship in North Carolina. He shot 12 under par 60. Now, the guy's age 63, and he beat his age by three strokes. That is amazing. He parred the first four holes, 12 under for the next 14. Just imagine doing that. But anyway, amazing result for him. Best of the Aussies was my good old mate. Stuart Appleby, who finished him tied for seventh. Uh, and there's a very, very um, esteemed accolade that yes. you wanted to talk about that's been uh, given to one of our greatest ever. Exactly, yeah. Seven-time major winner and 41 wins on the LPGA Tour, the great Kari Webb, uh, Australia's uh, greatest female golfer and possibly male or female golfer, depending on who you talk to. She was inducted into the Sport Australia Hall of Fame. So congratulations. That's a huge honour for Kari. So has been such an important figure, as you mentioned, maybe our greatest ever, but in in, in the inspiring of a, a generation of golfers. So when you look at the progression of Maggie Masters, Jan Stevens, um, Kari Webb, mm. and then what who the, the, the generation that she's inspired, which we're seeing play at the moment, and it's, we're, we're so blessed Definitely. to have such a strong... Um, contingent of women's golfers doing great things around the world. So it's not just what she achieved. It's what she continues to give to golf just by inspiring exactly. the, the wave that comes through. So it's very well deserved. Do you know what? We'll try and get her on uh, over the Australian summer, yeah, I reckon. absolutely. On Off the Tee. I'm sure she's heard about us by now, Nick. Oh, of course. Um, <laughs> let's tap into Nick's knowledge. Use Ping Golf equipment so you can play your best golf. The Ping Golf Play Your Best Tip of the Week. Now, I have a question. Mm. So as I said, last time I got to play was down at Cape Shank. And there's a lot of hills there. It's on the coast. Um, I have a real problem and have real issues when I'm I'm got when ball below my feet or ball above my feet or if I'm on 
um, a, a slope, downslope or upslope. Um, just getting the positioning right. Yep. Well, that's great timing because this week they're playing the W Open. And if you watch the coverage this weekend, you're going to see them playing off a lot of sloping lies. So watch the pros, but I'm going to give you the tip before you even watch them. It's all about adjusting your setup and getting your weight in the right position. One of the hardest shots for most golfers is the downhill lie. So the real key to begin with to start off with is widen your stance. Most people do not widen their stance enough. Now, for right-handed golfers, exaggerate the wider stance, then lean your weight into your left leg. And the key is to keep it there throughout the swing. So if you lean your weight into your left leg, that kind of gets your shoulders and your body lining down with the slope and it allows you to swing down with the slope because the most common thing off sloping lies is mishits. You tend to thin them or you tend to chunk them a little bit because you try to lift the ball. Just swing down with the slope, maybe take a little bit more loft because the ball's going to come out a little bit lower or allow for a bit more roll when it lands as well. So the opposite, obviously, for uphill lies and ball above the feet lies, you're just trying to align your body with the slope. But number one key is to widen your stance, and then you can move your weight around accordingly, and then it's a simple game. Do you aim left, right, any other way? But A little bit, yeah. With a downhill lie, you're going to aim a touch left if you're a right-handed golfer because the ball will want to squeeze a bit to the right. Uphill lie, you're going to aim a bit to the right. Ball will want to go left. Ball below the feet, you're going to aim a little left because the ball will want to go right. And ball above the feet, aim a little right. Ball wants to go left. There's a fair bit of information there for you. <laughs> Absolutely love it. Use Ping Golf Equipment so you can play your best golf. Ping Golf Equipment is custom engineered, custom fit, and custom built for you to play your best. Now, all thanks to our very good friends uh, from Ping and now to Big Swing Golf, Indoor Golf. It's real, it's fun, it's fast. Over 84 of the best golf courses you can play on the best simulator in the business at Big Swing Golf. Get onto their website. You'll find a Big Swing Golf near you. Nick, it's the Australian summer. A couple of the courses you can play at Big Swing Golf are two of the best in Australia. And let's start um, with uh, the first one this week. Yeah, the New South Wales Golf Club in La Perouse, just south of Sydney there. One of my favourite golf courses in the country. People say it's the Pebble Beach of Australia. I like to say Pebble Beach is the New South Wales of America. Absolutely. <laughs> it's the opposite of way around. Some of the most spectacular views you're ever going to see on a golf course uh, the fifth hole, I believe, it's a par five, which goes up and over a hill, and then sixth, the par three. Remember those two. They're going to be some of the most scenic holes you'll ever you'll ever want to play. A lot of sloping lies. I know on the simulator it'll be nice flat lies, but just imagine playing off downhill lies, uphill. It's quite windy out there too. Um, it's one of those courses where you need to ball, your ball striking is going to be very, very important because if you go offline there, you may lose a few golf balls. So it's it's a spectacular golf course. Enjoy the views. Play that featured course at Big Swing Golf. Look at bigswinggolf.com.au. Nick, we are out of time for this week. Enjoy the WA Open. I think you're doing the coverage. I certainly am. Yes, we're on uh, Fox Sports and KO. That's at the West Australian. We're going to enjoy that big summer unfolding in Australian golf. We'll see you same time, same place next week on Off the Tee. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.